The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mal Vambergas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. Man, if this is your first time or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. And to listen to tonight's full interview, go to VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. Tonight, we go inside the life and work of a former paranormal spy within the U.S. military's Psychic Intelligence Unit. We used remote viewing to uncover military intelligence for the United States from hostile countries. We go behind the scenes of some of his most mind-bending cases, including remote viewing of targets of extraterrestrial origins. We'll discuss fascinating secrets uncovered by the military's remote viewing teams from intelligence on Soviet missile sites to the whereabouts of missing POWs in Vietnam to the location of the Ark of the Covenant. All of this and more with tonight's special guest, Major Edward A. Dames, right now on Veritas. Major Edward A. Dames is a decorated military intelligence officer, an original member of the U.S. Army Prototype Remote Viewing Training Program, and a former training and operations officer for the Defense Intelligence Agency's Psychic Intelligence Collection Unit, currently Executive Director for the Matrix Intelligence Agency, a private consulting group. He also travels extensively teaching remote viewing to audiences around the world. He's also the author of the book titled, Tell Me What You See, Remote Viewing Cases from the World's Premier Psychic Spy. We have a more comprehensive bio at our website. To learn more about Major Ed Dames and his work, visit his website at learnrv.com, which is also linked at ours. And I would like to welcome, for the first time on Veritas, Major Ed Dames. Hello, Major Dames, and welcome to Veritas. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. My pleasure. May I call you Ed? Yeah, of course. I know this may sound repetitive for some of our, our listeners, but for the benefit of those who may not know who you are, give us some background of how you became involved with the remote viewing to start the interview. Well, I, uh, I, was, I was tasked at the, at the Office of Secretary of Defense level with identifying key uh, uh, targets, intelligence uh, targets, uh, mostly Russians. This was in the, in the early 80s. And I was one of about five officers, scientific and technical intelligence officers that were tasked to do that, identify mostly nuclear delivery systems and weapons of mass destruction, particularly uh, biological warfare, which was my uh, specialty. This was an undercover operation, and I had at my disposal many tools, 
agents on the ground, satellites, and a lot of exotic stuff that we, we have in the business. But one of the tools I had was a nascent intelligence collection tool that used uh, natural psychics. The, it was an army program. And uh, sometimes, by hook or by crook, I could not but answer the mail. Using all these tools at my disposal, I couldn't get in and penetrate <clears throat> excuse me, some of these very, very classified Russian uh, programs. But this this particular organization was able to, and I went by various code names, uh, Grill Flame, Grill Finch at the time, uh, was able to give me some insight <clears throat> and uh, essentially tell me where to look. And I became so enthralled with the the unit itself that I stepped down to take it, take over, stepped down from these celestial cosmic levels of intel to take the unit over as operations and training officer. That's how I got involved uh, uh, with the program. And after 30 years, I'm still in awe of of what what we call now remote viewing can do. You dedicate your book to Ingo Swan, the late Ingo Swan, and also the Army. So the father and the mother of remote viewing. How close did you work with the late Ingo Swan? Uh, I became Ingo's protege. Ingo was the father of remote viewing and, uh, the, in, in the modern sense. It's evolved greatly since uh, Ingo's discovery at Stanford Research Institute. He and Hal put off, discovered, if you will, a, a, a syntax and grammar for how the unconscious part of our mind communicates effectively with conscious awareness. It was my job to take that discovery into the deep, dark world of intelligence and massage it into a useful information collection tool. And Ingo trained me in the remote field. I was part of a prototype team that, in essence, when this discovery happened, Ingo said, well, if... They first attempted to train natural psychics, Hella Hammond, Keith Harari, and others. But their egos were so big and the vanity levels were so high that the natural psychics that were part of the developmental program did not, could not cotton up to the idea that one of their own peers came up with the discovery and was going to train them. So out of frustration, uh, Ingo Swan said, give, just give me who's paying for this program. And Hal put off kind of, you know, mumbled, well, it's the Army at this point. He said, send me some army officers. Because essentially the theory is if this could be trained, anybody can learn it, which is in fact the case. So I became part of a prototype team. And after our training with Ingo, we became better than the best natural psychics on the planet. And so I realized this is a very, very powerful tool. And it's right up my alley, just what I need in, in terms of my Balawick in the military. <clears throat> and and then uh, I liked I, I was so enthralled with remote viewing that Ingo took me under his wing. I became his protege. Uh, I was more in love with his discovery than he was. He was actually an astrologer and loved astrology. And uh, just as tangentially, he started a whole new genre of art. He was a tremendous artist, uh, a cosmic art. If you go into uh, Washington, D.C., into the, the, the Airspace Museum, you'll see a lot of cosmic art scattered around the building on various floors. But if you go into the director's office, you'll see one of Ingo's originals in the back, in the back of his desk on the wall. I can see how you were tapped. You were already part of the army. But how was Ingo tapped into this program? Well, actually, the, the, 
the use of psychics was started by the Rand Corporation and the U.S. Navy. The, the problem was using Monte Carlo theory and game theory, it was very difficult still to track uh, Russian uh, boomers, nuclear submarines. Uh, interestingly, my father, I live in St. Petersburg, Russia now. My uh, father-in-law was a former navigation officer and a Russian boomer. I have the flag off the of the Carolina, the nuclear sub Carolina, he gave that to me. <clears throat> it was very difficult to track uh, nuclear submarines. And so the Navy experimented with, they actually went to cities in the U.S. to crystal ball readers, to Madam X's, to see if, if natural psychics uh, could, ga- could give them some insight as to where the location of a particular submarine was, using American submarines as, a, as test targets. That didn't work very well. And so... Harold Putoff, a, a brilliant uh, physicist, and uh, and uh, several w- was tasked by the, uh, the the army at Stanford Research Institute to attempt to gain some insight as to how psychics' minds work by studying the best natural psychics that we could round up in the U.S. What were they doing cognitively in their minds when they were on target? And they were, I'll, I'll get into what that means uh, momentarily. <clears throat> and so that they were studied as what are they actually doing? What's their mind actually processing in terms of, of uh, uh, target descriptions? And that's how the uh, program came about. Ingo was the one that actually developed the best uh, formats and protocols for how he was, as a, as a very, very gifted natural psychic, for how he was processing information against the target, a person, a place, a thing, or an event. So that these, these protocols were established, and then they finally were, were put into a model that was taught. And this is what I teach now, although it's, been, it's greatly evolved. Did you say that you now, you now live in St. Petersburg, Russia? Yes, I live in. I married a very beautiful Russian girl. I'm both living and sleeping with the enemy. Are you there now? No, I'm. In, I'm at my U.S. base of operations in the, in the uh, California and Sacramento area. I I have a lot of U.S. Uh, programs. Uh, missing children and some gold targets. That were okay, that, that, that's US. what I that's what I thought when I saw your nine one six number. I used to live in Sacramento years ago, and I recognized the the area code. But I know you had a connection with Ukraine some time ago. Probably you still do. Is there a reason why you're in St. Petersburg now? And, and I don't mean to be getting geopolitical, but I think we must. What do you see with this possible conflagration that we are, we're poking the bear? The United States, we're poking the bear. NATO is poking the bear. How long until the bear really becomes disagreeable? And I'm sure you know what I mean. Yeah, I think there's a non sequitur there in your statement. But uh, I lived in Lugansk, formerly Voroshilograd, in uh, erstwhile Soviet Union. My apartment uh, was caught in an artillery crossfire about six months ago, and my friends uh, are dead. Some of my family and my apartment's full of blood and guts. So I got the I got my loved ones out of there, and uh, at, they were, they were essentially refugees. And about 1.5 million refugees now ran to Russia, ran to the enemy, the so-called, and they ran into the Russians' arms to get the heck away from the Kiev government. And so uh, we moved to uh, Saint Petersburg, which is the cultural capital of Russia. I'll be—I ba- was there last month. I'll be back again uh, next month, and uh, I could—I could wax, oh, long and hard, and uh, about the current situation, but. 
give me your questions specifically, and I'll address them rather than me trying to address something that would, that would take days to do. <laughs> That's fine. We'll, we'll we'll focus on remote viewing first, and because you're you're reciting in, in Russia, and because of uh, my interest in geopolitics, I'd like you to to cover that as well. Now, well, how it's very interesting that I my, the, my former KGB, the KGB, former KGB, now FSB. Mm-hmm. I help them capture terrorists now. I'm in Chechnya. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm helping, assisting in, in hunting down uh, R- Russian-designated terrorists. I, the KGB never learned how to train this like we did in the West. They used natural psychics. Uh, the GRU, the former military intelligence, uh, tried to use drugs to induce altered states. We, that's how our program started out. I was a member of part of that program too. We use altered states to get information, but the discovery of what was coordinate, called coordinate remote viewing in its nascent form, that was so effective and so precise that as operations officer for the U.S. unit, I kicked out the, the ERV team, the extended remote viewing team. But my, I, I began, I met, I met to know my former counter, counterparts, the KGB Extra Sense team. Extra Sense is the Russian word. They're, they're psychics. Who, and I have a chapter in my book called War in the Ether. And uh, you'll see where they discovered us and we discovered them. But we didn't tell our commanders because the programs would have been shut down since they've been compromised. It was very interesting. But now I, I sit down and work with, the, with these people in, in Russia. So extra sensing is the Russian term. Remote viewing is the American term. How, how similar are very different. These, these modalities, the Russian oh, and the American. Yeah, very different. The extra sense, the, the extra sense teams in in Russia still use uh, natural psychics. Uh, they did, and whereas a remote viewing, the way the way it has evolved now, is extremely rigorous, extremely systematic. You're, it, it's not lay back, close your eyes, and tell me what you see. Your eyes are open. It's an attention management skill. Very, very uh, uh, rigorous. Uh, it's the three-part process. We the, the targeting is is first part. How to set up what we call a search term. Everything exists as a pattern of information in what we call the matrix. Everything, and th- these patterns of information we are, are the brain is an oscillator and it's plugged into a global universal mind. So we turn our unconscious attention to a target, a person, place, thing, an event. So setting up. That search term is very, very uh, important to us. Then the process of remote, turning our attention to the target itself and describing it, that process, there's no thinking involved. The protocols are followed explicitly of whether we're looking for somebody's lost cat or stolen nuclear weapon. It's the same thing. And, and the process can't really be described unless you learn it. I have a workshop coming up in, in Reno on the uh, next uh, in April, I, I don't teach very much anymore, but I have one. The fundamentals of remote viewing. If you, the process is analogous to, let's say, uh, playing a piano, where if you cannot think about the note that you just played, or the music stops, you keep moving, and there is no thinking involved. And that goes on for about 45 minutes to two hours, with a couple of breaks at, at the proper points. And then analysis is the third part of remote view. We subject the data to analysis. It's sort of like the process is capturing pieces of a, a jigsaw puzzle, and the analysis is, is splicing them back together to see what we have. And there is no thinking, again, in the in collection process at all. We're, and we don't use natural psychics. Natural psychics do not know when they're on or off target. They do not know when their imagination has overlaid the target data. 
And when they cap- do capture good data, they subject it uh, consciously to a running analysis, which destroys the product. So we teach we teach students how to avoid all that, how to manage it. Uh, so it's very, very different than the, the way natural psychics uh, collect information. Very different. I mentioned to you that uh, I've had for years your, your remote viewing DVDs, and one thing that I did learn is that I need to pay attention to my subconscious or my first instinct, because if I pay too much attention, then ego and the conscious mind mind takes over. Is that a, an accurate statement? Yeah, your egoic, your analytical mind, the analytical part of our, our awareness, that egoic analytical mind is a lower mind. Think of this, think of unconscious as a superconscious. That's that's the co- connection with the matrix, with the global mind, uh, where all the the font from whence all form arises is this what we call the the matrix. And yeah, you really it, it, it's very frustrating as a new student. Uh, of course, we fix that as as instructors and coaches, but it's very frustrating as a, for a new student to 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 wonder where all this accurate information is coming from, what part of their mind is doing this, where they're not thinking at all. Uh, so getting around, getting around ego and, and analysis is a big thing for the first couple of days uh, as a student. And if you have a laptop computer, it probably has a Wi-Fi antenna to access the World Wide Web. Do we have the equivalent of a Wi-Fi antenna in our yes. bodies, perhaps our pineal gland to access the well, the universal web of information or or Akashic record. No, yeah, just but just don't 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 use any analogy that uh, organic analogy. Just think of mind itself. Mm-hmm. Your, your mind, your un, the unconscious part of your mind is like all that that stuff that's below the tip of the iceberg. Tip of the iceberg being allegorically. Uh, your conscious awareness, your running conscious awareness. And yeah, we have access to it all. But uh, the the comparison stops there because on a Wi-Fi and on your on your laptop, you do have access. Let, let's compare the internet to the matrix. You do have access to all the information that's out there. But you need a modem, a modulator, demodulator to control that access. Yeah, uh, to otherwise you have the whole web at once. And uh, the Russians ran into this when they used uh, mind-expanding drugs, Halcyon, LSD, and other things to try to collect information. All of a sudden, all the, there was no modulator, demodulator. There was no way to manage the inflow of the entire matrix. And so they weren't able to effectively use that to collect intelligence. But yeah, we have access to every pattern. And remember, there's no, there's no words out there. It's just patterns. For instance, if I ask you to, as a student, as I give you a blind target where only a couple of numbers are associated with the target because I'm teaching your unconscious how, how to work, how to deliver up information, not your conscious awareness. So I'll give you a couple of numbers, and that's associated with a particular performance of the Balsari Ballet, let's say, just as a training target. And the color of the curtain is red, but but let's say you've never seen the color red before in your life. It's not in your memory. It's not part of your thesaurus, to use my Russian counterpart's word. So you you have access to the pattern of, of the color, on it, but you have no label. In the tachistoscopic sense, you're going right brain to grab a pattern and left brain to look for a label in your memory, a word in this case in English, red, the color red. But it's not there because you've never seen red before. So the best that you can do to manage that particular piece, 
that particular pattern is say, well, it, it's like pink. Maybe you've seen pink before because there's nothing in your memory to hang a label on that pattern. So you try to match it to the closest. In, in this case, yeah. If you, it, and we run into this all the time when we're working with, like, let's say, UFOs or exotic. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.